Welcome to my podcast, Wicked Wisdom, where I will break down complicated content about your nervous system, which is the control center of everything in your body. My intention is to get the most easily digestible version of science of how humans work and small actions that complement the information. If these subjects interest you, I encourage you to get out there and read more about it, as science is always developing. Understanding how your body works can help in the development of new habits. Healthy habits lead to a better self through reprogramming your nervous system. After all, if your brain thinks it's reaching its goals, it will tell your body it is, moving you towards your goals. Your perception is your truth, so join me on this journey to change that perception one step at a time. Welcome to episode number five of the Wicked Wisdom Podcast, Habits. Today, I'm going to talk about the habits and routines and why some are easier to keep or harder to break. I'm also going to get into how to create the ones we consider good and how to get over the daunting hump of getting started and being successful. I want to start with talking about habits versus routines. They're both regular repeated patterns. Habits occur with little to no thought where routine is in need of more intention or effort. With time and effort, routines can turn into habits. What was once an effort needed type routine has become a common no thought habit. Establishing a route that becomes a habit can take anywhere from a couple of weeks to a year. Why does a habit become easy? It all comes down to learning. Once it's been learned, it frees up your brain to put the energy somewhere else. Keeping in mind also that some routines will actually never become habits. So that's sort of a confusing mouthful to my brain. And one of the big points in my podcast is that I don't want to get into these nitty gritty points because ultimately it doesn't matter what each stage is called. It matters how to move through them. Now that I said that to appease the masses, let's just focus on habits in general. Habits that are considered detrimental or of no benefit or negative benefit are usually easily created. While habits considered beneficial, healthy, or positive are usually harder to create. So let's dig a little deeper into that. First off, dopamine. As Daniel Lieberman and Michael Long described it in their book title, it is the molecule of more. Basically, if your brain likes it or thinks it likes it, it drops or dumps more dopamine into your system. However, if your brain doesn't like it, you get no dopamine or in predictable situations, less dopamine. So then you need more to get more. If you don't get a dopamine drop, your brain basically reads it as pain. It's the lack of the dopamine. And drips of dopamine is basically happiness and motivation or not pain. As many of you have heard already, listening to my podcasts, my big kryptonite is a donut. I eat pretty healthy and on a normal day do not crave donuts. So it isn't like I think about them all day. So how can it possibly be my kryptonite? How does that even happen? Here's how. Anywhere I go that I know there is going to be a fancy donut shop, as soon as I know I'm heading in that direction, I think about that donut shop. There's this place in Miami. It's the donut shop. A few times I've been to Miami, and those few times, the guaranteed activity would be diverting to this donut shop. 
they have the most decadent and exotic donuts. I will try the craziest ones, especially the ones that have ingredients that truly do not belong together or in a donut. I will take a trial bite of the donut. Sometimes it's instantly so amazing that it's actually hard to stop eating. Other times I'm not instantly in love. But even when I'm not sure that I like it or appears I don't like it at all on the first bite, do I move on to the next one? Mm, No. I have another bite because maybe that second time I'm going to like it. Maybe I didn't give the party in my mouth enough time to convince my brain it was so great. So what's happening here? If I took a bite of something at a buffet that I didn't like, I'm done. I don't go back for a second time, even if it's a dessert. So why does this happen with me with donuts? It's dopamine. I love donuts. I never don't love donuts. That's what my brain believes. And that's what I believe. So before I even get the donut, I've been thinking about it. I thought about it when I booked my flight. I thought about it when I took off on the plane. And I've thought about it more since I've landed. And more and more until I go and get the donut. I've already gotten so much positive reinforcement for looking forward to the donut. I can't not like the donut. Every time we go to this place, I'm talking like three times in my life here. I can tell you about every visit and I eat the donuts. And after I eat the donuts, every time I feel awful after, it really doesn't matter where I get a donut. There are never any leftover bits. There's never anything left to go. I eat those donuts knowing that my stomach's probably going to hurt, that I'm going to feel sluggish for the day or maybe even crash when my glucose levels drop later. But it doesn't happen during the process of eating the donut. I'm too busy rationalizing because I'm releasing lots of dopamine to seal the deal on the behavior. I'm rewarding it with dopamine from the sheer excitement of the idea of the donut, and this is what my brain sears into my memory. Although that might not be a habit, this is the process that holds true with other types of bad habits. The cost of a bad habit is in the future, not in the now. We have a donut right now. It's tasty, sweet. It makes us happy. It's an easy way to get a dopamine reward. 30 minutes later, you feel bad, but it's not bad enough. Now say I keep up with the donut treat regularly. In one year, I might have a couple extra pounds on me. So say I burn some of it and I store some of it. That might be a total of a pound or two a year times 10 years that's 20 pounds. So again, it's the long-term of the bad habits that compound in general to create negative emotions or negative outcomes. There's basically all of those impacts, at least with that donut, that it'll have on the overall health later in life, not just my weight, vascular disease, diabetes, all kinds of things like that. But really, it's just a couple of treats a week in the moment. It takes so long to add up and become a bad outcome that the impact of the habit doesn't provide immediate bad feedback to your brain when it's rewarding you with dopamine in the moment with every bite. Now, what's the cost of a good routine in the short term? Let's look at exercise. It's negative, right? Now, I realize all you hardcore exercisers will say that they get a positive adrenaline hit, and I'm not talking about you. I honestly have no idea how you get to that point past the pain and past the exhaustion to get to all of the adrenaline. For me, I work out pretty regularly, but I have never, ever gotten to the adrenaline hit. So this is my average exerciser's short-term feedback. It's exhausting. It's hard work. 
It might feel stressful during and afterwards. You're tired maybe even the next day. You're waking up in pain. Now we switch to the donut. Dopamine, exercise, pain. So what happens in the long term for these hard routines that can become habit? You have more endurance. You get stronger. Your breathing might be better. And in the long term, you have better vascular health, better orthopedic health, better function mentally and physically. When I lose my mojo and slow my roll with my exercise routine, like during COVID, I slowly lost the positives that kept me going. And then it became hard again. I lose the habit slowly and then I lose my routine until I start feeling the impact of the less endurance, the less strength and the increased body pain from not being as mobile as I used to be. I realize I need to get back on track and rebuild that habit. What can we do to get away from the habits formed without work and find the ones that are better for us, but harder to attain? We have to change the focus. Back to my fried dough ball. It might taste good now that I know a little more about what drives me to overindulge. I have been able to notice that it does make my stomach feel heavy a few bites in, easily ignored. I now know this is the precursor to the crash. I was speaking at a conference and my daughter was with me. Per usual, we hunted down a donut shop. But a bite in, I didn't like the donut. Done. Now, the one I did like, a bite or two in, I stopped and so did she. It was like a hallelujah moment for the first time ever. I paid attention to that every time in relationship to that donut when I ate it. You need to find a new part of the experience to see, to show your brain that this is not a dopamine moment and take back control. Let's switch off dopamine. Back to habits. Your overall goal is your target, but how often is the target really vague? Be healthier, lose weight, eat better. This is like saying, someday I'll buy a tropical island for myself. How do you reach that giant goal in that hugely far distance? You need to look at the components first. Are there habits that I need to change to reach that goal and break those habits down into very, very small changes? Maybe start with the donut. Do you need one every day on your way to work? Maybe just getting it twice a week instead of five times a week and slowly dropping the timeline from there. Is it the fancy coffee with 300 extra calories of deliciousness? Same approach. Then once you get better at managing that, Maybe you add two 10-minute walks in a day. There are small changes in routine that over time will develop into habits. When I started my health journey, it was when I was 31. That was 17 years ago. I had such bad back pain. I couldn't even shoot a basketball with my young son. I was within an oral BMI and my doctor had nothing left to offer me. Their theory was you're thin and you have degeneration and this is just going to be your life. So I toured a little bit of a high cost gym and I liked what they had to offer and I joined right there for a year. What motivated me is that every time I didn't go, I was wasting my money. I started with one to two times a week. I was in pain because my muscles were moving correctly and I was exhausted. After a few months, I was consistently going two times a week and challenged myself to three. Eventually, it progressed to five times a week, and I had a new community of people. At six months in, I remember looking back and thinking that I was glad that I joined for 12 months because 
even then it was not a habit. It was a flexible routine for me. For me personally, it takes me a good nine to 12 months to form a solid lifestyle habit. And I stay on task as I figure out how much money this is costing me when I would just go twice a week versus three times a week versus five times a week. And I realized if I went five times a week, it was costing me pennies to work out compared to going two times a week. And when I didn't want to go, I would look at when I could make it up to make my money back. I know it's weird, but I have to trick my brain to flip the dialogue. People will say to me, you're so lucky, you're so thin as they drink their margarita and eat their appetizer and fries and dessert. Well, I'm drinking water with lemon, skipping the appetizer, just take a couple bites and select maybe a less processed fried caloric bound meal. Now, look, I love a fried chicken sandwich, nothing like a fried buffalo chicken sandwich creamy mac and cheese, french fries, and a margarita. Those are like my favorite foods, but I have them infrequently. It's not luck. Luck is random. We really don't have control over that, but a habit is under our control. Not everything and everyone apply across the board, and there's zero shaming here. Each of us has our own circumstances. Remember, I started my journey 17 years ago. And just recently started rotorooting my food choices because I still didn't feel as good as I should have with the activity level that I have. What works for one doesn't always work for another. So you really need to do some discovery on what drives you, what you like, and what you don't like, whether it be food choices, exercise choices, people choices, or job choices. You get what I'm saying. So let's look at an example. Let's think about when one of those good idea fairies swoops in and gives you some advice. Think about this. Heat melts ice. It breaks it down into its liquid form. Yet, if you use heat on a cake, it sets it out of its liquid form. When I'm trying to change or adjust a habit, I'm not feeling is helpful to my path to a happier lifestyle. I look for a clue. My brain is in the habit when I finish dinner and I seek sugar, no matter how full I am. So now I'll try and get ahead of that. On a day where I'm feeling strong, I will plan how to avoid my brain from cueing me for sugar. Maybe I'll shower or maybe I'll already pre-plan Clementine or something for afterwards when I'm seeking that sugar. So how about how to make a habit obvious, attractive, easier, and satisfying. What are some things that we can do to get over that hump to engage you more? Let's say you want to drink more water. Your cue could be leaving the water bottle out where you can see it. I used to laugh at my daughter. She calls her water bottle her emotional support bottle. Guess what? I got one and it works. Look, If the worst thing that comes out of this now is that I have to carry around my keys, a phone, and my water bottle to stay hydrated, so be it. Start with sometimes versus all times, or try, say we're talking about waddle, waddle, say we're talking about water, try just drinking half of it, not the whole thing. You don't need to go and drink gallons a day. I actually started by filling it only halfway and was shocked at how fast I drank it down when it was half full. But the first month I got up and filled it a lot. 
And I found when I got up to fill it in the beginning, I felt like it was too much to drink and would be disappointed at the end of the day when I had filled it full. So regulate it a little bit, a lot of it, whatever it is that works for you. Be kind to yourself. It's not really about the streak. You need to celebrate the frequency first before you celebrate the consistency. It's not an all or nothing game. And it's not about bogging yourself down with guilt because you didn't reach that goal. That's fine. Scoop it up and try it again. Don't let slipping up be the new habit. Don't criticize yourself or label yourself a failure. If you didn't drink any more than usual, drink down a quick four ounces of water right then and there. As long as you can tolerate it, call it successful. Make a pact with yourself to never miss twice. If you didn't get to your goal today, try to do it tomorrow. Same goes for exercise. If you want to do 30 push-ups a week, day one you missed, do one before you go to bed. Just one. Now it's not a missed day. On day two, you miss again, do one before you go to bed. At some point, that one at bedtime is going to turn into five at a lunch break or 10 before dinner, slow and steady. We hear this all the time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So how do you create this environment that makes the action more attractive? Maybe you have a gym in your dark basement that has spiders crawling through the ceiling. Probably not the place you're racing to go work out. So if it's a bike you're riding, bring the bike up into the living room. Make it obvious to you. I live in a small ranch. And if my equipment was in the basement, I would never, ever use it. It all sits in my living room. Maybe you need to turn it to the window because that's the view you love. You love nature. You want to see outside. You want to see whatever's going on. Or maybe it's the television that's most attractive to you. Make that environment as attractive as you can. Length. This can be as long as you can manage it. Don't overcommit yourself so that you feel like you're a failure. If 10 minutes is manageable, just do 10 minutes. If half the workout feels like that's as far as you're going to get, just do half the workout. I would rather do half a workout than tell myself I don't have time and not work out at all. Doing it and having it be easy or easier is better than not doing it all. How do you feel after? Do you wish to feel under the catchphrase, I work out? Do you want to answer at your physical when you go see your doctor? The question, do you exercise? And you want to say, yes, guess what? 10 minutes of exercise. Now you are an exerciser. Keep it up. Keep feeding that to your brain. Keep telling your brain that you are who you want to be. Your brain will drip you some of that dopamine and motivate you. And you get to feel good about yourself. This is your reward, the feel good. You need small rewards to get you to the bigger ones. Take them, own them, they are yours. It's hard work getting a routine and harder to establish a habit. So celebrate yourself with these small wins all along the way. Here's how I changed it up recently. I have my treadmill in the living room for extra exercise because I sit all day at a computer, regardless of how active I am. There are a lot of other hours in the day. I have a tray table that allows me to put my laptop on it and work walking at a very slow pace on the treadmill. Now, this is not for everyone. I have 
myself had a few near misses and with some crash and burns on that treadmill. Usually it's when I speed it up because I think I can manage it. Maybe I'm just listening and participating in a phone call. But this allows me to speak on phone calls or video calls and not be sitting. It's much cheaper than buying a whole new desk setup, an expensive treadmill that goes underneath it. It's out of my office and it's the biggest, brightest room in my house with a window when I'm walking on the treadmill in my living room. Let's say you want to start doing yoga. Follow the same pattern. Try not to skip two days in a row of whatever your pattern, your perceived pattern is going to be. Whatever your rules might be, try not to skip within those rules. But maybe skipping doesn't matter. Maybe you're just going to work out twice a week. And there doesn't have to be a special day or how many days in a row. Manage it the way that best works for you. You want to be able to reward yourself. And as a cue, maybe you leave your yoga mat open on the living room floor. There it is. You No effort, just get started. And you do yoga twice a week for whatever duration. Be proud of being successful at your baseline. Keep it easy. It doesn't have to be hard. On a good day, do more. But this makes it easy to stick with on bad days. How about the goal of waking up earlier? That's always a goal that I'm playing with in my head. Try going to bed five minutes earlier versus an hour earlier. Get used to it. It's not all the circadian rhythm alone. Some people think it's weird. Just you have this block in your head that going to bed at nine o'clock versus 11 o'clock is just so strange. So go to bed at 10.55. Two days later, go to bed at 10.50. Maybe there's even someone in your life who thinks it's weird and that impacts you. This will ease everyone, yourself or anyone else in your environment into the change routine as well. Is your phone a problem? plug it in across the room. You won't be able to pick it up and scroll and you'll have to get up when the alarm gets off to go shut it off or to get up. These create small pains that make it less preferable to have the habit worth it. So maybe you can't silence your phone, kids, job, whatever it might be. Change the tones on the phone when the phone's on the other side of the room or even still next to you. That way you know which tone you have to answer and which tone you can ignore. If you need an alarm closer and you have put your phone on the other side of the room, there's always the old-fashioned alarm clock. So one of the other things is finding someone to take the journey with you. Do you have a friend with the same goals? Work it out together. You don't even have to be local. You can pick a time to go work out together. You don't have to work out physically together. You can hold each other accountable by just planning your day, planning your week, planning on when you're going to work out and what you're going to do. It's really helpful. Habits influence our identity. Every action leads to the person that you want to be. So 10 minutes of yoga a a few times a week might not mean that you're a yogi, but it is a vote towards being one. You like yoga, you tried yoga, you are doing yoga. That is the small step to give you a little dopamine, celebrate yourself, and move towards those larger goals. Have your habit reinforce your desire of your identity. Is there someone that you admire? Why do you admire them? What's it about them that you admire? If you can identify what you feel you're missing to replicate that desire, you're able to break it down and find those small, small steps to get you there. 
again, I'm in year 17 and I've made a lot of changes to get to where I wanted to be. And then I never fail. I set a whole new goal, a whole new set of where I want to go from there. A friend of mine has no fear of public speaking. She gets up there, walks away from her seat at the table, grabs the mic and just starts going. The material might be boring or exciting. It does not matter to her. She's out there, she's bold, and she is confidently exposed. She presents with no anxiety before or during, and she is confident in the material. And in the end, she's not worried about what people think. I mean, after all, they chose to be there to listen to her. Confidence is a skill, and a skill can be learned through habits. Start small and focus on that goal. This is how I'm working towards my confidence. I've been working on not judging others. That takes time, especially when I'm tired or frustrated. But I find that the less I judge others, the less I worry about being judged. This podcast is helping me with that as well. I'm learning to speak confidently, and it makes me very vulnerable. People will inevitably counter what I have to say, try and prove me wrong, say the opposite, or criticize my work. But I'm moving forward and moving forward strong. When I feel overwhelmed, I exercise, and I spend a lot of time reevaluating my responses when I feel jealous or resentful, looking at why and identifying the choices that I can make to do that item or that activity that I'm jealous of, or why I chose not to and why someone else is able to, or maybe has just chosen to. This allows me to work on resolving conflict as well. I've been the queen of walk away from everything. When I get frustrated or annoyed, walk away. And I am now working very hard at getting my emotions set, evaluating the situation, and negotiating and resolving the conflict or disagreement. I know it sounds like a lot. I didn't start it all at once. I've been working on this specifically for the last year and a half, one at a time, stacking them, challenging them, upping the ante, and challenging them again. Thank you so much for listening. If this subject interests you, I encourage you to get out there and learn more about it. Knowing more only helps us grow and succeed, and knowledge will drive success. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Get Wicked Wisdom. And check out my website at getwickedwisdom.com. As a reminder, the primary purpose of Wicked Wisdom is to inform and educate. This podcast is not providing any medical advice, treatment, or services, the practice of medicine, or professional health provider to patient relationship. Listeners acknowledge that they are not being provided professional advice from this podcast and should always consult their doctors when it comes to personal health. Have a great day.